0: We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers, and trainers, and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Our guest today is Amanda Hocking. If you've already heard Amanda Hocking on the show, you would have heard number 41, which was when we introduced Amanda initially, but she was so popular we had her back on the Listener's Choice episode number 212. Today, Amanda's going to talk to us about 10 tips to a happier horse. How are you today, Amanda?
1: I'm very well, thanks, Glennis. How are you?
0: Good. Amanda, we can always tell how a person's happy. You know, they're happy, they're smiling, they're laughing. We can tell a bit in their body language, but tell us about how we can tell if a horse is actually happy.
1: Well, there, there's a few pointers that are obvious, mm-hmm. but there are some pointers that are a little bit more subtle and a little bit just in the horse world. A happy horse is relaxed when it needs to be, but it's also energized when it has to be. And in in this instance, you know, horses have got to be able to put their body really into a relaxed state when they're grazing. Mm -hmm. But then they've also, at a a flick of an ear, they've got to be able to up and run, and that's how they've survived all these years. It eats and drinks well.
2: Okay. Yeah,
1: so it's... it eats and drinks well, as in like when food's presented, it eats, and mm. when it's thirsty, it drinks. It, uh, it, it's not sort of in a state where it's anxious and um, overlooks doing those things. Uh, another thing is that it's obliging and friendly. Now, some people think their horses love them when they're all over them and they're smothering them and, you know, they're trying to, the horse is trying to cuddle up very close. But that's yes. actually the horse trying to demand things from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when a horse is obliging and friendly, then it's it's a balanced, happy horse.
0: Okay. So that obliging, also, that obviously doesn't account to horses rubbing on you and things like that. You know, you talked about being friendly. Some people like it if their <laughs> horse rubs on them and, you know, treats them as a post almost. It, yeah.
1: That's right. And whilst it's rather, you know, nice if your dog or your cat does it, mm. um, actually – do it when they're trying to uh, dominate you, but uh, <laughs> horses trying to push on you like that, a it can lead to some unwanted behaviour, but it also is another way of trying to dominate you.
2: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. obliging
1: them, they hold their own space, but they're you know interested in what you're doing.
2: Okay.
0: Okay. Yes. All right. Uh,
1: another thing. To, yeah. Another thing to look for is that it understands what's required of it. Now this is probably one of the things that not only falls down in our communication with with horses, but it also sometimes falls down in our communication with people. And if we're not experts at it with our own kind, then we're not going to really be experts at it with another species. And uh, it's really important that we undertake to understand uh, that the horse understands what we're asking of it and that he's clear.
0: I like the way you say that, you know, that we undertake to communicate with the horse because it's not just the horse can't read our mind and the horse is doing it on purpose or anything else. Sometimes the horse is quite confused with what we ask, isn't it? Yes, yes,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, we, we, you and I are not exactly spring chickens and we've been around horses a long time and it's still a challenge mm. to be sure that the horse is totally understanding. So it's it's a process. It's an ongoing process. Don't expect to know it all. Uh, We'll probably all leave this earth not knowing it all. But as long as we undertake to try to do the best we can, then we're usually working on the right side of things.
0: Okay, okay, yep, yep. What's the next point, Amanda?
1: And the one that that is uh, one of the easiest ones to be aware that something's going on but not quite sure what's happening here is that the horse is neither dominant – and it's neither being and it's not being dominated. So, mm-hmm. uh, a friend of mine, or a very good trainer that I, I've trained with, he he draws a line in the sand, maybe about a meter long, and he draws a cross section at about uh, five hundred centimeters, halfway across the the, the line, at, and uh, he says that's the line, the one that crosses. Mm-hmm. And he said most horses and owners, one end of that line is the horse is totally dominating the A human and the other end of that line is the human is totally dominating the horse. And he said, in the middle is where we want to be. Mm -hmm. Now, that line's a little bit, you know, it'll waver a little bit left, a little bit right. But you can stick somewhere in the middle there, then you're working towards a harmonious and a happy horse. Okay. Okay. And you, you so we're we're a lot happier. If the horse is working in harmony with us, then we're a lot happier.
0: Yep. Yep. All right. So, Thinking about horses that exhibit these qualities, we've got the horse is happy. For a happy horse, it's relaxed and energised, depending on what you want. It's eating and drinking yep. well, so that's a bit of help as well. Obliging and friendly, but understands what's required of it. And I think you you know that's quite an important point. So it's not tense and nervous and worried. If it's eating and drinking well, it's not stressed and underweight. It's neither dominant or dominated. What we're going to talk about now is the 10 tips to get that horse to that happy spot. And even if you can put a tick box on all of the above, you can still go through and listen to these tips because I'm sure you'll Pick up a lot. I think Amanda's, you know, had horses and, and trained with horses and done a lot with horses for quite some time. I think when she talks about the ten tips to a happy horse, I think she's well versed in this and um, yeah has a very good understanding of how to get your horse happy. So, what's the first thing that we can do to get our horse to be happier, Amanda?
1: Well, uh, in my point of view, number one is training on the ground. Yes, and. Because I came through the horse industry, I started off a working life as a groom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was old face, all right. The often, especially as I started in England, often the riders themselves don't spend a lot of hands-on time with the horses, and we're the ones that had to to get them fit. We had to prepare them. We had to, you know, do all the the clipping and the and the feeding and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And if the horse had issues then we're the ones that were either going to end up sort of munched up on the wall in a sort of ghastly mess yes, or, the you know, constantly having to tell the horse off for doing things. And I worked out very early, if I was going to survive this trip, <laughs> I had to have some really good rules and regulations about handling the way the horses are handled so that they appreciate me being around them so they're not scared of me, but mm-hmm. they also respect that, that I'm a... You know, I'm a lot smaller than them, and therefore, uh, you know, I have to be looked after a little bit that way too. So, whatever discipline you partake in, from the moment you take over as a carer for that horse, your role is that of benign dictator. So your word is absolute. Okay. You mean beat them up, but your word is absolute. Mm-hmm. And one of the things it's 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 gradually starting to take a groundswell here in Australia, but it's um we're not short of good trainers for training on the ground, and you know we we can tell um a horse has only got to walk off the float or or some of them come off at of the bus. yes, we know straight away whether that had any training on the ground or whether he's you know very green at this sort of thing, and we're going to have to do a bit of work with him,
2: yep, yep,
0: okay,, no, I think that's so, good, yeah.
1: The groundwork sets up the precedence for a workable relationship that's based on mutual respect.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Your horse, te- you teach the horse patterns of behaviour that will keep you and your horse safe. And you know, there's been a few times in in my life where something's happened outside of, you know, away from my horse and me, but because my horse was controllable in a very tricky situation. It didn't all turn to custard, and everybody ended up okay. So yep. I'm I'm really thankful that we we spend the time doing this. You communicate in a language that the horse understands. Now you can't do effective groundwork unless you understand what um, some people call horseese. You have to be able to speak the language of the horse.
0: Well, the horse has to be able to understand you as well, don't they? You know, it's it it, it works both does. ways. Yeah, yeah.
1: And communicate to a horse in a language he understands mm. uh, which a lot of is body language um, which you've mentioned before um, and if we know what a horse is intimidated by and what he respects then we can choose the way we work around him so that he learns to be oh okay this is this is my boss mare I know I've got to do this I'm told that's okay she'll look after me yes um, of course that if you're trying to uh, one for instance if you wanted to um, show a human being that you really weren't very happy with it, you would either shout at it or, you you know, some people would even, you know, a bit of slapping perhaps around the face, something like that. That's a really agitated human telling another human they're agitated.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You, these are two totally alien things for a horse. They never attack each other around the face if, if um, they want another horse to understand what they're asking. And, uh, and they certainly don't shout at each other. <laughs> so yes. it's, uh, you know, you to try and communicate to your horse with either of those two um, mannerisms, you're going to have a really bad result.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's pays to understand how a horse learns. Um, the exercises available through groundwork are very natural for the horse, yet they're very, very often alien to humans. So you need to work with someone who's skillful in this area.
0: And I think that's a key point there too, Amanda, is to work with someone who's skillful to get the knowledge. You know, it's easy to get a bit mixed up yourself and do things the wrong way.
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm. This is not something you, you read a book and then go out and practice. You have to have hands on experience yes. with another. And um, I've put a few names here. Like, I think most of us are familiar with Steve Brady. Um, down in Victoria, we've yep. got David Simons, Tony Rawson Harris. Ken Faulkner, and, of course, the one that's probably had the most uh, written articles is Andrew McLean from the Australian Equine Behavioural Centre. So we're very lucky he lives just down the road from us.
0: Yeah, we've had Andrew and David both on the show as well, so they might want to have a look and um, find out a bit more about them and what they're doing,
2: yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that that sort of covers um, – oh, one thing that I really liked about it is that you can – often when you're short of time, and now down here in Victoria, it's getting very cold and wet. (laughs) And uh, a lot of people, you know, working late hours, and when they come home, you know, to do their horses feeding up and rugging up, if you can take an extra 10 minutes, just take a halter out to the paddock, do a little groundwork with your horse, you could probably achieve more in 10 minutes than you can with 30 minutes under the saddle. So. Mm -hmm. That way you and your horse are ticking along really nicely on those nights when you can't get to them.
0: Yep, yep. All right. Now what about training from the saddle? You know, if we want to have a happy horse, we still want to be able to ride them or what can we do with riding the horse and training from the saddle?
1: Yeah, and and I've included driving as well because um, I teach a few drivers and they have exactly the same needs that we do from the saddle. And I always go back to um, the the universal or the German training scale as my go to place for lifetime of guidance. It, it's also great to have horsemen and women who use this uh, training scale as your mentors. And uh, I would say that training from the saddle is. First and foremost, find yourself a really great coach. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference between a great coach and a good coach. Uh, A good coach takes you where you want to go. A great coach takes you where you don't necessarily want to go but Mm -hmm. should.
0: Yes, I think a great coach has got a good idea on boundaries and and knows when to just push those boundaries a tiny bit as well. Yeah,
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. A great coach trains you to think. Uh, a good coach will help you through problems Yes, and, you know, they don't teach you how to think. And, you know, we don't ride under instruction all the time. And uh, in Australia it's not a, a thing that we do commonly, whereas in Europe they do. And uh, we've got to sit there for a minute and think, now, hang on, this is not going how I expected what have I got in my toolbox? What have I learned? What, what do? How would somebody else do it? You know, and, and think about your mentors and bring that information into play when you're on your own.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, in order to have a great coach, you've got to be a good um, student and learn to ask good questions. Um, I think a lot of this is something that perhaps in England we weren't encouraged to do. <laughs> we were sort of you know, get on with it. Um, yeah, you know, come along now, top top. Um, but uh, certainly learn to ask good questions that that will answer the. And it, look, if something's going wrong, don't hide that. Bring that that up into the into the conversation and say, look, uh, I need help with this.
2: Yep. That's what you yeah.
1: do. Not to show them how wonderful you are. You go to you know basically air your dirty laundry and yes. get a, heart, yeah. a question answered. Another part of being a very good um, being a student because if you can't take on board what's being told sometimes it's not stuff we want to hear and uh, you know you've got to go home and sort of mutter and grumble under your breath oh, I'm doing this for you you know so on and so forth but you know as they say suck it up and uh, and and try to work out how you can best use that information for you and your horse
2: Yep, yeah
1: I've found become very again it's the Similar to what in number one, become very familiar how your horse learns. Um, that's a, It's been such the best thing ever since I have really got into the psychology of horses and how they operate in, in the wild and how they operate in our lives. Yep. It's been so bad. Yeah. Um Animal behaviorists like Andrew McLean tells us that when we ask our horse a question, the horse does not think about giving you a right or wrong answer. He responds to the questions based on what he knows mm. and that's uh, going to work out best for him.
0: Yep. And I think that's an important thing, just that, is, you know, they're not scheming, they're not thinking in the future, they're thinking in the now, you know, this is what the response is. Yeah,
2: yeah. because
1: they're flight animals. Yes. And uh, one of the, the interesting things that um, uh, science has now proved that, when a horse gets into, gets to a point where he's thinking about fleeing, he cannot learn
2: mm. he's he's mm. switched
1: into a mode that is all about escape yep. the brain switches off he can no longer stand there and learn anything so when the horse gets to the point where he's in a you know muck lather of sweat and he's really un, uh, unhappy it doesn't matter what you can do you 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 can't teach that horse anything
2: yeah i remember yeah.
1: years ago I had a thoroughbred come to me and uh, he couldn't cope with being out of the sight of other horses. And if I tried to take him away from the horses, he would just get in, he'd just shut down. Mm. And there was nothing I could do. I could work him for, you know, two or three hours and he would not learn a thing. Yep. And uh, I had to really work on the skill of, you know, taking him away from a horse just out of sight for a moment and then bringing them back Take them away for a moment and bring them back, and bring just gradually build on that. And uh, I can remember the first time he walked down the driveway without getting jig-joggy and upset, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> it took a while. <laughs> and that horse, went, that horse went on to become a very successful show jumper. Did he? So, yeah, um, that's good.
0: That's a good story, isn't it? You know, that you took the time earlier on to train the horse to um, – to do that, and then he went on and had great success. That's good.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all trainable, but some things take longer than others.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: When a horse responds with unwanted behaviour, um, we can't ignore it. Okay, it's a little bit the fashion these days with with the you know training of sort you know, of a rough word to use for children. But when you're trying to bring your children. Uh, it's a little bit, well, ignore the bad behavior, respond to the good behavior. But animals are a little bit different. And uh, when a horse responds with unwanted behavior, you have to very quickly suggest that he tries looking for another answer. So mm-hmm. you ju- you don't punish them, but you just respond with asking again, because actually the horses like for you to leave them alone is, is a reward. So if you ignore bad behaviour, you're actually kind of saying, well, it's okay, keep going with that.
0: that. They might just think that's what you wanted in the first place if you if you exactly. just ignore it and leave them. yeah.
1: Looking for you to stop asking them something.
0: Yes. That's yeah. the whole
1: way to learn a lot. And yeah. uh, if you just ignore bad behaviour, then you're rewarding it in, in a way. So yeah. try to respond quickly in a way of saying, well, I'm going to ask you again yeah I'm going to ask you again and as the horse gets stops for a moment and just tries to think, then you reward that mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: so you, you can see saying, okay, I'm not giving <laughs> the right answer here what what's being asked? Yes, that's when you alone time to think. okay so it's it's again it's a it's a little bit different to how humans respond so we need to align ourselves with people who can show us this.
2: yep, yep, that's good.
1: When your horse says no, you've either asked the wrong question, or you've asked the right question in the wrong way, and that's just that's just the way horses are. Yep. As a trainer, you to reward all the efforts that result result in wanted Mm behaviours, and uh, sometimes it can often be just the tiniest flick of an ear. But if we reward that, then it'll turn here, and then it'll be a look from the horse, and then he'll turn and face us. And this, you know, a flick of the ear. Eventually, will be a horse that walks up to you and says, "Hey, I'm your friend."
0: Yes. But it starts yes.
1: as a tiny, and in the air. So we have to be really, you know, it's not what we're used to.
0: That's what shows a trainer that has got some some talent and some abilities. They pick up on these tiny, tiny little cues, isn't it? Yeah, that's
1: yeah. right. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And and you know, I think that everybody has the potential to become that trainer
2: mm. if
1: they're prepared to. Work with people who do that and say, well, um, uh, there's a beautiful story about Bruce Lee, you know, the um, Kung Fu trainer. And he had this um, young fellow come to him who who was very athletic and he said, Bruce, I want you to teach me everything you know. Uh, You know, I'm already successful in what I do, but I want want you to know. And um, Bruce picked up two glasses. One was... um, uh, full of uh, water and uh, one was empty and he put the full glass of water in front of the young man and he said this is you and he said until you can learn to become over here like the empty glass I have nothing okay and some have to go to a coach we have to pour out our glass of water and become an empty vessel and accept that you know We need to put some space there for these people to put their information into us. So we have to give up some things in order for them to show us the way.
0: Yes, yes. And I think that's human training, isn't it? You know, to be open, to be able to accept those ideas, to then become a better trainer, better horse trainer. Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And mistakes, just be prepared to make them. Uh, It's it's just the way it is. Um, It's not... For some reason, there's a little bit of stigma about making mistakes, but really it is the way to learn and be prepared to make them. Don't get hung up on them. A few times I've done things with horses that I've sort of thought, well, that wasn't a very smart move, Mm. and uh, I've worried about it. But really, you know, horses are very forgiving. Mm. They seem to understand that we're a lot slower than them, and they they kind of go, okay, just try again. We'll, We'll see if we can give that a go. So... Don't get hung up on the mistakes. Keep working on it. Yep. There's a great quote from the author of the Narnia series, um, C.S. Lewis, who says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending.
2: And (laughs) that's always
0: Yes, that is a good quote. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about training on the ground and training under the Mm -hmm. saddle. What else can we do? What other tips can we use to get happier horse?
1: So like us, horses are rather fond of their comfort. Mm -hmm. As I think I've mentioned before, when we're training them, if we can show them that if they give us an an answer we like, we leave them alone. Uh, One of the mistakes that I see frequently, especially in dressage, it's it's not so often in um, show jumping or cross-country work, but in dressage people go, you know, they ask a question a couple of times and then they get a really good answer and then they go, wow, that was amazing. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> yes,
2: yes, you know. They
1: teach the horse to resist
2: mm.
1: because the horse is saying, "Gosh, I keep giving you the answer. Why am I not getting off the hook here?" Mm. And you've got to understand, horses learn by you leaving them alone. So even if you just you know drop the rein and walk off, or uh, change the exercise, do something different, the horse starts to to pick up on patterns of what you want. So you've got to work on um, horses share our love of comfort and they can actually learn a lot by just working out how not to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. As the carer, we're we're responsible for the comfort of the horse and that includes the the training from the uh, ground and the saddle. So we teach them how to find a comfortable place. Um, Then we look at the other parts of his world, which is equipment. Um, Nowadays, there's a... Uh, an absolute plethora of information out there about well-fitting saddlery and bridles, and if you're not experienced, that's what your coach or your saddle fitter can help you with and show you how to fit your equipment correctly. Um, look for the kindest bit that gets the job done. Now, there's a little bit of fashion going on in bits. I think it's always been a little like that, and. Um, you know, we try this and what works for that horse will, you know, will obviously work for everything. Well, it's not quite that. What we should be doing is looking for the bit that gets the job done. And Tom Roberts books, they're oldies, but you can still get them. And uh, they've got a lot of great information. Um, I remember one that I first got when I first came to Australia, and it's called Horse Control and the Bet. And it was just a great book. And, uh, it's still available and, you know, you can get it on Amazon and places like that.
0: I think if you go to Horse Chats and if you just go to horsechats.com slash books or just go to horsechats.com and search for Tom Roberts, I think you'll find the um, how to get that book. So, yeah, there, there are a couple oh. of books there. Yep.
1: Oh, that, that's great. Mm. That's
0: good.
1: Mm. And then you've got your own personal equipment. So by personal equipment, I mean a stable and independent seat quiet yes. and feeling hands. <laughs> steady and encouraging legs and a voice that is quick to reward. So again, a good coach can help you achieve all of those. Um, you know, if we can get an opportunity to work on a lunge, that's just amazing to help you produce a, an independent seat and learn to feel what's happening underneath you, et cetera. So yeah. that, that's your personal equipment.
0: Because everyone wants that. Everyone wants to have. A good seat, soft hands. Everyone wants that, and everyone thinks they're working, but you really need to get the help of a coach or someone to help you to say how to improve it and how to get better and how to keep going. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're lucky down here. We get visited by Tanya Mitten quite often,
0: and she's super. Yep, and another guest on horse chat. Another guest. (laughs) Yes, yeah
1: super and then if you can work with coaches that understand that sort of um anatomy of both you and the horse it's just brilliant absolutely brilliant
2: yeah
1: yeah, yeah. and there's the more um physical side of their comfort things like floats and trucks that mm-hmm. allow for good ventilation and a quiet and solid and safe journey. I've had a few yes. horses arrive in this little um rattly little sort of s- noisy piece of wood held together with bailing strings. <laughs> And, uh, yes, that's not not conducive to a quiet, happy horse in travelling mode. Yep. And just the safe and solid paddocks, yards, tie-up places and stables.
2: So, Mm -hmm.
1: you know, you've developed an attitude, well, if a horse can get himself into a tangled trouble, he will. So just put there on the, uh, you know, the safe side of tie-up areas and and footing and... um, Gates and things like that, yeah. So that that helps make you and him more relaxed.
2: If you're an
0: equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look, horsechats.com. All right, so that was number three, and that was about the comfort of the horse. The next one you've got is companionship. And just tell us a bit about the horse's needs of a companionship and, you know, whether you have them as part of the herd or, you know, talk about the relationship there. But I think if people understand about the companionship a horse requires, that's going to help make their horse happier as well.
1: Well, in a perfect world, if we were going to keep domesticated horses, we would keep them in a in a very large paddock that had undulating terrain and beautiful, you know, little creeks running through it and lots of trees. and that they can you know play with and scratch and and um, have uh, relationships with that's in a in a an ideal world, but then we start thinking perhaps more into the area of competition horses where we have to keep their keep them maybe rugged and uh, they're shod um, so on as some horses eat more than others and so on so this starts to make that scenario difficult
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we then have to adapt what we're asking the horse to, you know, the the way we keep our horse so that he can still feel that he has companionship but perhaps isn't tearing each other's rugs or threatening each other, kicking or um, uh, pinching food, things mm-hmm. like that. So yes. you need to try and keep suitable companions within sight. Um, it, there's nothing more devastating for a horse to not be able to see other horses. I mean, even if it's just a a bit of a dot on the horizon, it's something. So if you can try and keep the horses in sight of each other, that is very helpful. Uh, The number one cause of illness or death with performance stallions is the stress from the lack of companionship. And of the three horses we deal with, uh, we've got geldings, mares and stallions. The stallions are the ones who need companionship the most.
0: That's an interesting statistic there as well, about the number one cause of illnesses and death, isn't it, with the stallions? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. You go to a place like um, Vorendorf in Germany, mm. which is the big breeding barn, and they have 200-odd stallions there all housed together next door to each other. They run as colts until they're three years old. They will run in the same paddocks as colts. Yep. Then they're, um, they have to rug and everything, so they put them into separate stables. But they can... Constantly touch each other through the bars.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So talking to each other through the bars. Mm-hmm. And if one goes out, you know, for whatever, goes to be worked or collected, you know, his mate will call after him. Mm. And they, mm. they, none of them, there's no nasty, there's no ears laying back. That was what I noticed. Yep. When one horse gets left, none of the other stallions lay their ears back. They might chat and nicker, and but they'll never lay their ears back. That's interesting. You know, sometimes yes. you go to a a barn here in Australia and they're mares and geldings, there's no stallions, and, and the horses are savage to each other
0: and mm. they leave mm. them
1: out. So that's telling you this: the, the balance isn't right there yet.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. Because if you go back to, your, you know, what you do want, the horses need a dominant, dominating, they're obliging, they're friendly. There's, there's not the stress there that's associated with the ears, back, and the, you know, the problems that you're talking about.
2: Yeah, that's Mm. right. Mm.
1: So when you're housing horses and try to use sharing facilities if possible, either paddock together or within sight of each other, you know, next door to each other, but always put two fences. Horses always get into trouble across fences. They're actually safer in together Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. they are one fence between them. Yep allow touching or mutual grooming whenever it's safe. We we um saddle our horses all up together and they all stand um, you know, they can stand each other's space, they can rub each other, they've got, you know, they they keep putting their bottoms to each other. There's never any arguments, kicking, fighting, there's never anything. It's they, they just they're like a bunch of old men, obviously they're terrible. Mm, <laughs> they're always mm. leading on each other and chatting and scratching. So We've never had a problem in the shed, and we've done that for 30-odd years. Um,
0: okay, okay. I
1: would uh, – we allow that. But the main thing, the only person who's going to get into trouble is the people. Yes. The humans. Yes. So they have to be – sometimes the horses will lean on each other, and you could get, you know, like, leant on in the middle. Mm. But um, that's the thing that uh, we worry about. <laughs> um, Travelling, again, is sharing. Um, very rarely do horses hurt one another when they travel together. Um, so we don't really like to have lots of um, partitioning between them. Um, again, if, if the horse is feeling that he needs to um, protect his space and, and by attacking another horse, it, the balance is out somewhere else, and usually if you address this groundwork and socialising, the horses will give that up. Yep. Interesting. The more groundwork they do, the better they play together.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay.
1: If we really are thought, oh, I mean, they will attach themselves to goats and yes. cows. Yes, okay. Like yep. they're the next best. If there's nothing else, goats <laughs> will
0: be. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you do hear some good stories for horses with different animals, you know, goats, dogs, cows, sheep. And sometimes too, you know, you'll find a horse that's got a travelling goat that goes with it to places.
2: Yeah, Mm. Mm. I I think
1: goats are better than ponies. I must admit, Shetland ponies, I think often they turn out to be more trouble than the original (laughs) horse, but goats are
2: slightly
1: more manageable.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, now the next thing you've got, number four, is routine. So what have you got to say about routines and how we can help the horses to become happy with their routine?
1: This is an interesting comparison with humans here because they say that uh, uh, humans like to have a routine as well and it's a part of that knowing what's wanted of them. Uh, Horses love routines and they love knowing what's expected of them and in the past their survival relied on their ability to follow leadership and to recognise a safe situation from a dangerous one. So they're wired to changes in their routine and... uh, Whilst we don't want to become a slave to it, um, you know, like rushing around trying to make sure we always feed at the same times, being aware that horses will react slightly negative when their routine is altered too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and we deliberately leave our horses out in the paddock every now and again. Yep. Normally they come into what we call walk-in, walk-out yards where they can see each other and touch each other. And But every now and again we leave them out so that they're not completely tied into this routine of we go in, we go out at night. Yep. Um Because what often happens there, I learned that horses will hang on the gate, they'll hang around the gate all, all from about 3 o'clock, especially from about 3 o'clock onwards.
0: Oh, yes, yes, waiting for feed, yes.
1: So now as have learned, I've noticed, because we keep turning them out, at least once a month they go out for a couple of nights, and I've learned now that they, they wander up about 4.35. Mm-hmm. Check out to see if anybody's going to come and get them, and if by 5:30 nothing's turned up, they wander off again, and that is probably a, a way that we um, we prefer them to be a little bit like that, Yep. Um, so that they're not reliant on it and they're not reliant on us quite mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. But uh, remember, you know, like us, they get hungry; their, their gastric juices will start to alter a little bit when they know there's a meal coming, so on and so forth. Horses that are, have to be stable 24-7, really, I think in this day and age, I think everybody has accepted that they must have hay ad-lib. Yep. Um, there's very few people now that I think try to run their horse on three meals a day or two meals a day and expect them to not have food. Yeah. In Europe, yeah. they've all stabled horses with um, hay ad-lib, but okay. in Australia it was not common practice. So... Uh, but I think now, with the knowledge of gut ulcers and stress, we know that they should have something in front of them all the time. Yes. Yep. So uh, that, that's a. Uh, you know, that's sort of bringing
0: bring us on to the feeding, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So we'll. Yeah. yeah. That <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Yeah.
1: So when we were sort of little children and a part of the pony club system in England, I think we all got sort of thumped over the head with the feed bucket. And we all had to learn the nine rules of feeding. And again, it's 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 an oldie but a goodie mm-hmm. and it pretty much covers all the variables that if you stick within these nine rules of feeding, you pretty much are you know set to life. You're unlikely to, to make any mistakes in feeding. And so whilst I won't sort of relate to them to say them now, it's quite easy just to to Google them.
0: I was going to say, sometimes you get eight rules of feeding or 10 or 12 or 15 rules of feeding, but generally the rules of feeding are there, aren't they?
1: They're pretty much the same, yeah, Yeah, Yeah. that's right. And, you know, I like to use the KISS method, keep it simple. Mm -hmm. It was very interesting. I was uh, One of our horses was a part of a um, clinical study for a new supplement that's coming out soon with one of the major supplement companies. And they were saying that since we've, moved a little bit more towards processed foods for um, horses, it's the same as humans. Yep. You know, we, we prefer stuff that's ready-made. Yes. There's been a dramatic increase in the um, ulcers.
0: Yeah, really? Yeah, that's interesting, isn't yeah. it? So we, we sort of know more about ulcers and we can give our horses Adelaide pay, but um, we're still on the other end doing things that are increasing the, um, the likelihood of ulcers.
1: Yes, yeah. So if you can start with grass,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then you build in, then you go into hay, and then more hay, and then you start to add some oats, and then if you, you know, if that's not enough, so it's all about one of the rules of feeding is feeding according to the work done, and if your horse is lightening off more than you want him to with the amount of work you're giving him, then you've obviously got to bring in more um, concentrated ways of feeding him so the the rule of thumb is you start with more grasping that hay and the goats, and then you know you can bring in your steam barley, sugar beet, corn legumes, brands, et cetera. um I like to sort of tell my students you should be able to recognize everything in that bucket,
0: yep, <laughs> yep. that's right, that's right, yeah, so it becomes more about the mix feeds or the premix feeds rather than you know and you you either buy your feed all separate, mix it yourself. Get a pre feed but watch the processed feeds.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And make sure you like with um there's a difference between pre mixed and mm-hmm. processed. Yes. Uh, processed means they've been cooked and then they've been probably crumbled or, or made into like a, a, a really fine powder, then they're bound together and squished through a pelletizer or something like that. So that's a very much a process. A um, uh, mm. pre-mixed is just that the um, the manufacturers have gathered all the ingredients and put them through um, a mixer, like a big concrete mixer really is what they look like, yep. and then they pre-mix and they put it in a bag and everything's already in the bag. The only trouble with that is they do tend to smother it in molasses. Yep. Uh, so you use a really good brand,
2: mm-hmm.
1: a record brand, so that there's nothing naughty in there. That you don't want yes, yeah, but pre mixed uh, are okay. Processed foods, I keep those for emergencies when you know, you know, I've got something else, I have to use this. Yep,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, then you've got some other things to say about feeding, or we go on to number seven, which is fitness. I
1: think the thing about it is keeping it simple is, is priority, yep, and the rules of feeding. And uh, if you, you know, if you, if you do those nine, ten rules of feeding. Then that will answer all the questions about feeding.
0: The other thing I was going to say, Amanda, you know, just for a bit more in depth information about feeding, we have had a couple of nutritionalists on Horse Chats and those interviews are available. So just go to Horse Chats and maybe do a search for nutrition or nutritionalist yeah. and you'll find those. They can talk a bit more about horse feeding or just. You know, search feeding. Um, there's a couple of different ways you can search there to find those interviews from the nutritionalist that can give you a bit more in depth information about feed. Yep. Yeah. That's
1: right. Because a lot of people are a little bit, they, they might have a, an extra fat horse, but they want, to, they want it to have certain nutrition, but they don't want it getting any fatter. And then you've got yes. someone who's got a feed horse, you know, so on and so forth. So they're, they're your go to experts for that sort of help.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so number seven is fitness. Fitness,
1: yes. Now, don't we always feel better when we're fit? Yes. Yeah, uh, that's right. So if we if we know we feel better, then there's very much a good chance that the horse is going to feel so much better. We have we personally have a lot more ability to problem solve, and we bounce back from physical stress better. Mm-hmm. And um, Horses, I think, are no different to us. So we have to make sure that we're giving them the right, because you could almost call it cross-training fitness program. Okay. Just like us. Mm-hmm. Nothing worse than drilling, doing the same drill every day. Now, there's two things. A, it's boring. Um, B, you're always tiring the same muscles. And whilst, um, you know, say you've got a, a dressage horse, um, I believe that dressage horses should jump. And I even have a dressage horse at the moment. that's the biggest horse. And, you know, it's taken us some effort to get him to stop knocking all the, everything down. But he has now eventually started to learn to jump a little bit. Mm. And this back muscles, it mentally gives him something more stimulating to do. It uh, develops his back and thrusting muscles better than the dressage. And uh, it's using a whole different set of um, muscles. So he's getting a holistic fitness.
0: I like the way you talked about the mental stimulation there, you know, so it's not just about the fitness, it's the mental fitness.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, where we live, uh, it was fairly rural. It's now developing quite dramatically and it's getting a little bit busier. But we still make a point of uh, the horses do poles or small jumps. Um, We're not show jumping anymore, but they still do poles and small jumps. And they get hacked out in the forest. Those, you know, with their flat work, the little bit of jumping, low-level jumping and the hacking, that seems to keep them pretty bright and chirpy. And they get to see lots of interesting things when they're hacking. We've got lots of, you know, kangaroos and (laughs) people who ride motorbikes and, you know, boats in the river. So there's lots of things for them to see and experience and they, um, this, this just keeps them fresh and, yep. you know, mentally alert.
2: You know?
1: Yep, yep, yeah. And your fitness is to always balance work time with relaxation time. Yes. And just
0: like us. Yes, for sure, learn for sure. How. All right, now number eight is holistic health. What have you got to say about the holistic health of the horse and how can that make him happier?
1: Well, I think we've got so many experts you know, these days to call upon. We've got, you know, really good farriers. We've got people who specialize in teeth. Um, you know, I have vets. The vets now specialize in certain parts. We have a, a vet here that specializes in leg injuries and a vet that specializes in breeding. So there's all, you know, we've all got a very um, specialized. And we have to remember that when we look after the horse, just like we look after ourselves, nothing works in isolation. Yep. And we have to look at everything holistically. So if there's a problem with the horse's feet, the chances are we're going to affect the way he uses his muscles, the way he uses his skeleton, the way he uses his energy. Mm-hmm. And if there's any pain involved in any of those things, we're then also going to bring in mental health as well. So under holistic health, I like to think of care of the feet, start yes. at the bottom and work our way. The care of the feet, um, there's nothing worse for a horse to have feet that are hindering his his path or causing him pain.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: mm-hmm. then there's the internal health, which is um, gut ulcers. Uh, it's, it's huge in this country, it's absolutely yes. huge. And just assume your horse has got them. They may or may not be active, but they're probably there. So always keep a mind for that. Then we've got parasites, of course, and care of the teeth and care of the
2: respiratory system.
0: Okay, okay. Sort of takes us back to the comfort too, doesn't it? You know, you're talking about the equipment and, you know, everything else, but um, the holistic health, still part of the horse's comfort.
1: Absolutely, Mm
0: -hmm. absolutely. It's probably a very important part, which is why it needs to be a separate one, but, um, yeah, very important.
1: And and I I know of people who are extremely good at looking after the horses. like They're very good at looking after the health. They're they're absolutely obsessed with looking after the health of the horse, but they then have lost the balance of the fitness. Yes. Or then they they lose the of, of, you know, they're very good at training from the saddle. This is very much a, a European way thing, is that they're very good at training from the saddle. The discipline and the training is... You know, amazing. Mm. And then the, the horse basically walk over everybody on the ground. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's every part of the puzzle in place. And with the uh, health care of your horse, it's the same. So care of the feet, internal health, then external health, um, skin and eyes. Because they will tell us a lot about what's going on inside, but not okay. everything.
0: Okay. Yes. Yes.
1: And mental health, which gets back to... Um, Making go back to sort of <laughs> go back to one, two, and three.
0: Yeah, yep, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, the, the mental health of the horses is, is being well catered for as well. Yeah, yeah,
0: yep. Yeah. So, Amanda, just bringing us up to number nine here. You've got set smart goals. Just tell us a bit about how that can affect the horse's happiness.
2: So
1: we've spoken a little bit before about how horses really don't operate in the past much, mm-hmm. and they don't operate in the very much. They live in the now. Yep. And so they really set goals and they don't plot and plan like we like.
0: <laughs> yes, it makes a good story though, doesn't it? You know, my horse was plotting against me. That's why I fell off today. He plotted against me about this last week. Yeah, Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: So horses live in the now and goal setting is not really on their agenda. However, we humans do seem to operate better when we set clear and realistic goals the horses are usually quite happy just to come along the journey you know it's okay i yeah, will yep. come along and play sounds like a bit of fun so as long as we keep it fun they'll they'll keep engaging with us but remember they are our goals and they're not the horses he's just an obligingly he's just obligingly coming along for the ride mm-hmm. so don't say you're doing it for your horse and yep. and when the other thing is when it comes up often when you ask people, why are you selling this horse? Oh, well, you know, I don't want to go to the Olympics. Well, hey, neither does your horse.
2: <laughs> but if
1: that's your horse, will probably come along there with you.
2: Yes, yes, yes.
1: Is a superstar or not, if you like it, if you like riding that horse and you want it, you keep it and you have the fun with him. So the, when I mean, say, SMART goals, I'm using the acronym SMART which is Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Relevant and Timely. Yes. And there is, uh, did you say you've done a chat with Tanya?
0: Yes, I have, Tanya Mitten. Um, That'll be on horsechats.com slash Tanya Mitten.
1: Right. So I'm sure she would have spoken about setting SMART goals too. And uh, maybe Kerry Mack. Um, She's another one who talks very well about it. So I won't
0: I think we've had Kerry as well. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, they're experts in the field and it's brilliant what they have to offer. Mm -hmm. But when you make your horse-related goals smart, you have to do this without an attachment to the outcome.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So I'm relating this just a little bit to how we make our goals around horses. So if you make the statement, I will be happy when my horse can do X, that has a strong attachment to the outcome of the goal. Uh, you're saying that your happiness relies on the horse providing you with something. Yes. Now, happiness is an exceptional state of mind that we can choose in any moment of time. We, we don't have to get permission from our horse or from anybody else um, that, uh, you know, you can be happy when I do this and you can be happy when I do that. It, it's You really don't have to rely on anybody else and certainly not your horse, to provide you with happiness. However, the statement, I will be ready to compete at Y level when my horse can do X, that is the beginning of a smart goal.
0: Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think setting SMART goals is almost a um, chat in itself. It's, we could go into it and drill down quite a lot more with the goals. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's digest that a bit and might get to come back and talk about that a bit more. And if we can move on to number 10, which you've got is practice mindful horsemanship. And I think about that and I think just think about those three words is a good way to go into any sort of communication with your horse Yes, yeah, so if you can talk yeah. about that that'd be good
1: so i'm in a in a very lucky situation that i work full time with horses, and i don't often have time restraints on especially if i'm handling a new horse to me i don't put a time restraint on i deliberately set the process to start when I know that if I want to spend limitless time with this horse, I don't have to rush off and do anything else. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, my husband, he goes to work at 7.30 every morning. Yep. And he works before he goes to work. And he has to go work horses by the clock. And he's actually – it's the reason being that he works them first, he gets up at 5 in the morning and works from then – is because he knows by the end of the day, when if he tries to ride, he's got so much going on in his head from his work that he brings that to the ride. And mm. then he's not fully to the ride. And I, I can remember somebody saying to me, you know what? People are always complaining that their <laughs> horse doesn't concentrate. <laughs> You know what who's the person that's not concentrating here I yep. think it's usually us you know we've got a million things whizzing through our mind and it's really hard to switch off and be totally present and in the now with the horse because that's where the horse operates yep it's easy so uh, a good definition of mindfulness is mindfulness is an ability to be fully present Aware of where we are and what we are doing and not overly reactive or overwhelmed to what's going on around us. And that's what I mean by mindfulness.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: How do we achieve that? So, a few little tips. Create a physical and mental routine or barrier that separates our worldly problems from our horse time. Work on keeping the day's events all the woes, all the gossip, all the complaints out of your me and my horse time, okay? All the baggage should be put where it belongs in the past. So whenever I'm teaching, I get people come in and they arrive and they're, oh, it's
2: taking taking All yes. this
1: happened and then the cat, kittens and all And I say, did you not see the bucket at the front gate? And they said, what bucket? And I said, the bucket at the front gate with the sign of it says, put all my baggage in here. <laughs> so as you drive, my front gate, you dump everything that's happened before you got there into that bucket, and then it, this time is all for them.
0: That's it a good there. sign, Amanda. It's a, it's a really good sign. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And Sorry, keep going. I, I um, had to have a bit for of a laugh me, about that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: My my way of doing that separation is uh, when I get up uh, in the morning, I write my to-do list early in the morning. Then I'm not having to try and carry it in my head because I just can't do that. Um, I write down my to-do list, which I then kick off as I achieve each thing. And if I don't achieve it, it gets circled and it gets put on the next day as the to-do list. Then by the time I've put my boots on, what is written on the list is out of my mind and I'm free to be present with my horses. Mm-hmm. And I know that if I don't do it this way, I can often go out there and I'll just be, you know, my mind's somewhere else. I'm not thinking. Something will happen. You know, that's when injuries happen. That's when you miss things like, you know, the horse has got a swelling, and a little bit of a swelling on his leg. You miss these little things when you're not present. Yep. So that's my yep. little Yeah. Um, one of the things that happens to me often is that I completely lose track of time Um, So if I do have an important appointment, then I make sure my horse goal that day is appropriate for the time constraints. And that's along sort of, you know, when I said about the groundwork.
0: Yes, I was just going to say that that might be a time where you do groundwork rather than the riding sort of taking you right back to number one. Yeah.
1: Because, you know, one, I don't have to get changed to do it. Two, um, I have to go out and change the drugs anyway. I might as well go out and do some groundwork while his rug change is happening, do a little bit of groundwork in the paddock or just perhaps bring him out to the, the, the gravel driveway and do a little bit of groundwork. And, and that's, you know, I can make that groundwork last for five minutes and mm-hmm. have a good result or five minutes and have a good result. Yep. So it can be micromanaged, I guess. Yes. And um, it's really easy. And then I feel like I've achieved what I wanted to achieve and the horse goes back into the paddock happy. Yep. And I, I'm aware that I lose track of time, so I have to <laughs> have these things in place.
0: <laughs> it's very easy to do when you're out with your horse, isn't it? Lose track of time. I do it all the time. Yep, yep.
1: Part of the um, meditative process of being with horses, you know, I find being with my horses. I, it's quite meditative. Mm. You, you you're, um, I'm sure if they, was it, they put something in my head or whatever, they could test at Your um, Stress levels lower, your heart rate lowers. You know, you're at peace, you know, so on and so forth. You, you know, it's athletic, so you're using your breathing, you're using your muscles, but you're not stressing. And uh, this is this is why we like being with our horses, really.
0: Yes, and why they why they use so much in therapy as well.
1: Yeah, that's mm. right. Mm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah. horses live in the present, the now, and if we really want to be in tune with our horses. And that's
0: where we need to join them. Yep. All right, Amanda, why don't we just go through just to sum up and just go over those 10 tips for the happier horse. How about I'll say every second one. So the first one would be training on the ground. So you talked a little bit about that, training on the ground. I think the big thing was that sometimes you can achieve 10 minutes on the ground rather than 30 minutes under saddle. You know, your results can be better from that short little bit of time
1: yeah don't don't ever underestimate the power of training on the ground
2: yeah yeah
1: just came over to Australia. I was working in barrel and I had gone up to the shop to pick up the mail and as you know, do in these rural towns and there was a couple of old guys there and couple of old stockies and they started chatting and I said oh look I better go I, I'm gonna I'll just have enough time to to work my horse on the lunge and uh, and then I can be you know do something else and they said are you too scared to get on it?
2: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> I just want look at them thinking, thank you. you know, yeah. and, and the general opinion was that you had to lunge your horse to exhaust it so it was safe to get on it. Well, yes. Whereas I do a, a lot of training on the end of a rope. So mm-hmm. um, I was a bit dumbfounded. But an hour, yeah. But fortunately, we've moved on from those days. Yes. So, yes, training yes. on the ground really. pretty yeah.
0: Okay. The next one then, training under saddle, the things that we're looking for for a happy horse.
1: Yeah, so it's about just filling yourself up with as much learning, and uh, you know, go and rub our shoulders with the, you know, those who you admire. Use great mentors. Um, I can remember having the good fortune to spend a day um, with Rainer Klimke
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a group of other ladies. And it was a poor guy; he couldn't move left or right. I was right there, hanging on his elbow, <laughs> Everything he yeah, but yep. he was terribly. Yep. So he answered all my silly questions, and then the, the questions got better towards the end of the day. I say improved. So <laughs> just go out there and, you know, go
0: up and Good. ask questions. Yes, yes. The next one was comfort. You did talk about equipment, bits, you talked about personal equipment, paddocks, and floats, you know, just to keep the horse comfortable.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Safe and yeah. comfortable. And, uh, you know that, that they love it. They love their comfort. Okay, you've got to think of horse comfort. Remember, horses like to be cooler than we do. Yep. Um, I think eight degrees was the um, the ideal temperature for most horses. So for us, we'd be shivering. But you know, <laughs> they tend to overrug a little bit in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, so just you know, make sure you're aware of what is comfortable really, the rugging area for horses. But yeah, especially you know the way you uh, use your body on the horse. Yep. What was yep. you what's, going to work, what's going to make this really more comfortable for my horse. Yeah, mm-hmm. right.
0: The next one was companionship. And you talked about housing, traveling horses, and also the stallions and being under stress from lack of companionship.
1: Yeah, I think that they are herd animals. That's the way it is. We have to make that work for us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've got to work for
0: them. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And the next one was about routines and how horses love routines.
1: They do, yeah, and and we really work better in a routine ourselves and, uh, you know, if you have to write it down and, and make sure that if you have other people coming in, that uh, they follow pretty much the same routine that you do and uh, that'll keep the uh, status quo nicely for you.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, the next one you talked about was feeding and uh, following the rules of feeding.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, um, horses obviously think a lot about feeding. They they eat all day and all night. Um, they have rests, obviously, but not for very long. So it's you know the little and often, and all those wonderful uh, rules of feeding that you can uh, go online for and follow up with the uh, specialists and nutritionists to help you when you run into problems.
0: Yep, yep. All right. Then number seven was fitness, but you talked about fitness and um, also about the mental stimulation. Of, um, just for varying your work?
1: Well, I think uh, nowadays most people are uh, familiar with the terms the work life balance mm-hmm. and for the horses because, uh, you know, in the wild, a horse will, uh, you know, eat and rest for, for many hours and he only will run if he's under threat and then it's very fast and it's only for a few few minutes at the most. Whereas when we're training horses, we, we're usually working them a lot longer than that, and uh, we've got to remember to give them mental breaks when we ride them. Uh, Bill Roycroft used to say to me, give him time to think. So that was always a good one. You said, just loosen off the rein, give him time to think. He'll probably come back with the answer you're looking for. Give him time to think.
0: Yeah. Okay, good, good. All right, then the holistic health is number eight.
1: Yeah, remember to take the – even though you've got access to lots of specialists for all different bits and parts of your horse, you are the carer of the whole horse. You have to take everything into consideration. Um, for instance, I had a horse a, a present with quarter cracks in his feet, and I started thinking, you know, every one of those cracks is in an identical place on every hoof.
2: Mm, that's and interesting. I asked him, hey,
1: What's what's the problem here? He said, "Oh, it's just dry. The feet are dry." And I'm thinking that they wouldn't crack like that if they were just dry. There's yeah. And actually, had a, had a quite a serious back issue that was um, fortunately was addressed with a change of his training program, and then the cracking healed up.
0: That's interesting. Yep. Yep. All right. The next one, the last one, then was the smart goals.
1: Yep. Remember, then they're your goals, not your horses. And uh, Did I say the
0: last one? I should have said the ninth one. Number nine is smart yeah, not, goals.
1: Yeah. yeah, smart goals. <laughs> um, they're your goals and we do tend to, tend to need them. Humans work better when we've got some goal setting going on. Horses have no idea what goal setting is, but they'll come along with us on our journey if we keep them happy.
2: Yeah. That's fair. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. Now the last one is practicing mindful horsemanship.
1: Yeah, that's right. Now, we all put a lot of time and effort and, and money into caring for our horses. Yep. When you're with them, be with them
2: because
1: okay. that's how you get the best out of them. Yeah. Yeah. Best yeah. out of you, best out of you. Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. Amanda, thank you so much for your time today. It, all of your tips you know, were just so in-depth. It wasn't just, oh yeah, these are the 10 points and that's it, but You've just gone in, you've given us lots of scenarios, lots of tips, lots of your expertise has come out. So thank you very much for your time today, Amanda, and hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime soon.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you very much, Glenn.
0: Okay, thank you. Now, for those people who'd like to be in touch with Amanda, uh, Amanda, do you want to just say your contact details again? We'll put them on the bottom of your page, and they'll also be on horsechats.com slash Amanda Hocking, which is Amanda's previous interview, and the link will be through this interview. will be on horsechats.com slash Amanda Hocking too.
1: So my contact de- details are you can get in contact with me through email, Janda, J-A-A-N-D-A-11 at bigpond.com or you can contact me through the uh, Question Australia coaches page uh, in Shepparton, Amanda Hocking, Level 2 coach in Shepparton.
2: Brilliant.
0: Okay, thanks, Amanda. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe.